0: beginning in a series today called Worthy. And if we don't know each other, my name is Joe. I'm the pastor here at Mosaic Church. And um, I love this topic, one, because I love to worship, but two, because it's just who God is. He's worthy, right? And so the focus of the series is worship. What is it? How do we do it? Why do we do it, right? And so pull out your notes, whether on your seat or or in your app today. And I just want to encourage you, for all of you that are non-musical, how many non-musical people out there? How many of you are glad the music is really loud because then you can sing and nobody around you can hear you? Come on. Yeah, for all those people there, I just want to give you a shout out. Um, And we're not talking about music during this series. And so you can just take a deep breath. There's not going to be any spontaneous uh, solos that I'm going to require you to come up to the stage and do for the church. Um, And so if, if you're not musical, you're not excluded from this worship series. And so in short, we're going to answer this question, why do we worship? And today, the answer is because God's worthy. But knowing God is worthy and knowing we should worship doesn't necessarily mean we know how or fully grasp the why. You ever been there, it's like you come to church and you know, oh, I'm supposed to stand up now. I'm supposed to sit down now. Some people are raising their hands. Am I supposed to raise your hand? And so maybe, maybe you stand there and you're like, you do the little like, the little half hand. It's like, and, and, and then maybe you graduate a few months later to the, to the uh, side hand. And then you go to the, like, um, you're turning, the, the turn signal when you're on your bike. <laughs> and, then, and then all of a sudden you just go all, all Pentecostal and you've and you got both hands up and you're jumping up and down. But wherever you're at in the process, you know, it's like, what do I do? And for some of you that aren't as expressive as others, you know, you can be in a worship service and you see other people and how they're responding to God. And you're like, ah, it just feels awkward for me, right? And so I just want to encourage you, that's normal. Because when you come into the presence of a king, it doesn't necessarily mean you know how to act or you know what to do or you really understand why you're there. How many of you have ever gotten in the presence of a famous person and you just kind of go, you get tongue-tied and you don't even know what to say? Right? Well, how much more in the presence of a loving God who sent his one and only son to die in your place on the cross that sometimes... You just don't quite know how to respond and you don't know what to do. You know, knowing about something and doing it are completely different things. My kids and I saw some kids riding one around this morning have this hoverboard thing and they step on it and they go and it's just all by leaning and how many kids have that? You know, your kids have that. And so I was like, man, I'm I'm talented. I'm athletic. I do stuff. I can do this. And so my little daughter, Jovi, um, she's, she's a little rail, and she just flies around on that thing. It's almost like it's a part of her body, and, and it's just effortless. And so I'm like, if Jovi can do it, I can do it. So I get on the hoverboard, and, um, and I just about die, right? I just about fall, and, and, and it's, it's bad news. Uh, I heard a story about one of our guys here today that has fallen on a hoverboard before. You know who you are, right? And, and so it's not as easy as it looks. And sometimes you look at stuff and you're like, I can do that. And then, and then, oh, you realize, I don't know how to do that. Kind of like watching the Olympics and watching the figure skating and you're like, can't be that hard. And then you go ice skating. And you get a little taste of, oh man, this is different than I thought. And knowing how, isn't even the whole thing, because when life really happens, and and let's just say you are that figure skater, and you get on that world stage, and you're doing things you've done a thousand times, but when the pressure gets turned up, you find yourself on your tail, why? Because when life happens, you understand how much you really know about something, and how well you can do it or not, And so knowing isn't even the whole thing because when life really happens, the how becomes less important than the why, than the why, right? In the hardest miles of a marathon, I better have a pretty big motivating factor because when my body is failing and my flesh is tired, I better know why I'm there and why I'm doing it because if my why isn't big enough, I'm gonna fall apart. And that's the moment that we're looking for in this series. When we go from, this is what I'm supposed to do. You know, this is the religious act of worship to experiencing the freedom that happens when I understand the why, when I understand how, and when I understand what I'm supposed to do to begin to live a life of worship. So over the next few weeks, we're gonna unpack it. We're gonna unpack it. Here's what I know. When every single one of us gets to the end of our life, We're going to want to be able to say, to look back and say, it was worth it. It was worth it. It was worth it. Here's what else I've come to know. That the worth of my life is found in the worth of my God. And that if I don't find how worthy he is, if I don't find how good he is, if I don't find how precious he is, then my life is going to be lacking in meaning. And so I find worth, I find meaning, I find purpose by understanding how worthy God is of my life. So here's the theme verse of this series. We'll read it together each week. Romans 12.1. It says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. And just just like Paul did to the Romans, man, as your pastor, I'm pleading with you because we got to get this right. To give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Love that description of worship because it's interesting that this verse doesn't even mention music. There are some mentions of music in the New Testament, but suffice it to say that worship music was not the same in the New Testament church as it is now. How many of you knew that? They didn't have have the speakers and the the drum aquarium where we trap the drummer and and, and lock him in there for the service. They didn't have all that, right? It was simple. It was Jesus. And so I believe that the same problem was in the Old Testament as in the New Testament. God doesn't want your religious acts. He doesn't just want a song. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. In Isaiah 29, 13, it says, these people come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far, far from me. Their worship of me is made up only by rules only of rules taught by men, right? So we wanna get this worship thing right, we don't wanna just be having another service and bringing bringing another song to God. God loves songs, he created songs, he put songs in the hearts of people, but it's not just about bringing another song to God. John 4, 23, Jesus tells us how. He says, but the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him in that way. And so you're like that non-musical person. You're like, how do I worship? Hey, Jesus is giving you a key. It's got to be in spirit. It's got to be in truth. What does that mean? For God is spirit. So those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. That's from the depths of our being. We're going to worship him authentically. We're going to mean what we say. We're going to know why we say it. We're going to know who we're talking to. And we're going to lift up the name of Jesus. We're going to bear our souls open to him. The good, the bad, the ugly. We're going to say, here it all is. God, be Lord of my life. I worship you. And that's just a glimpse. And so we're not talking about music over the next few weeks. We're not talking about a posture Just bowing or just being, you know, face down or hands up. We're not just talking about that. We're not just talking about a style or anything like that. We're talking about the bigger questions. And the big question that we're going to answer today is, why is Jesus worthy? And I know for anything that I'm doing in life, the, the, the best thing to do is to start with the why. Why in the world am I doing this? Why am I doing it? Why? Why is your why so important? Because if your why is big enough, you can do any what? If your why is big enough, you can do any what? Some of you are like, I don't know how to worship God. Well, hey, when you find your why, it's gonna come pretty naturally. It's gonna come authentically out of you. You might not look like somebody else, but it's gonna be real, and it's gonna be special because it's for the king. You see, when our why is founded in Jesus, we can endure anything. We can go through anything. We can can go through loss and we can still worship. We can go through failure and we can still worship. We can endure pain and still worship. We can even go have success and still keep our eyes on Jesus. Anything that life has to offer, we can still worship when we know the why. The why has to be bigger than you and me. It has to be bigger than, than my personal freedom or my health or, or my prosperity or, or whatever's going on in my circumstance. It's got to be bigger than that. we got to find our why. I love what Rick Warren says. He says, when life has meaning, you can bear almost anything. Without it, nothing is bearable. Right? When you know your why, it doesn't matter what you face in life. You're going to be able to do it because you're worshiping Jesus. And so what are some, why is Jesus worthy? Let's talk about two reasons today. Why is he worthy? Number one, he's worthy because we are living in his story. He's worthy because it's his story. It's all about him. It's all about him. You think about it. If history was a movie, you know, some of us might, might like to say, well, I I really want to see the movie about Joseph, or I really want to see the Red Sea part, or I really want to see some of those, those miracles that Elijah and Elisha did. You know, I think that would be cool. I want to see David slay Goliath with a sling, right? If, if history was a movie, you'd like to go through and, and see some of those. But man, if that's the focus, we're getting it all wrong. And in your life, if you're just like, God, come into my mess, fix me, do this, do that. Then maybe our worship is just off kilter just a little bit because it's his story. It's all his story. Have you ever considered this perspective that the story of my life is way more about him than it is about me? It's all about him. And so when we have this perspective that, man, I'm living in his story instead of him interjecting himself into ours, this fundamental shift of perspective has the potential to change everything in your life. How many of you know it's gonna change how you work? If, if you're thinking, man, I'm, I'm playing a role in his story. It's gonna change how you play. It's gonna change how you plan. It's gonna change how you parent. It's gonna change how you love people. It's gonna change everything. When you change your worldview to say, God, this is your story. It's your story. Many people get stuck. They get stuck because they feel like a failure in life. Life did not meet their expectations, right? But God, listen, if this is his story and your worship begins with with this fact that, man, this is all his story. And so if, if he's the star, if it's all about him, when you fail, you don't have to fret. You know why? Because God's not a failure. God's not a failure. And so if you're living in his story, and if you're choosing to be a part of his narrative, and what he's doing, if, you're, if you bring your life into alignment and say, God, I'm going to get on your page. I'm not going to get on my page. Then your life can never be a failure because let me tell you what, he wins. He wins. Many people get stuck because they feel like they're on a treadmill going nowhere. They're just doing the nine to five and then they're hitting repeat, right? And when we do that and we, and we forget that, man, we're really living a part of his story, then guess what our life becomes like? It becomes like, it becomes like, more like a B movie. Anybody ever seen a really bad B movie like that Sharknado one of the one of the most epic B-movies of all time. Sharks, Tornadoes, yes. Like, who, who wouldn't like that? I haven't even seen it. It's just, it, it's like, not even worth the time, but that's that's kind of the picture. It's like, man, when we try to do our story instead of his, it goes from a, a blockbuster, A-list movie that, that is just perfect, that's God's story, we try to do it on our own, and all of a sudden it becomes this kind of weird, self-construed, Story. Listen, you're not stuck in his story, though. God's infinite. God's always good. His mercies are new every day. And you can choose to live on your own story or you can choose to live in his. Which one are you going to do? Colossians 1.16 says that for through him, God created everything. Everybody say everything. Everything. I love these big words. Anytime we read a big word like that, it's all encompassing. I love that because it's really simple to explain. Everything, like nothing, is outside of that concept. Everything, through whom God, through Him, God created everything, and everything was created through Him and for Him. It's His story. Jesus is the beginning, and He's the end of my purpose. And then in Romans eleven thirty six 36, it says, for everything, once again, we see that word, everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory, all glory to him forever, amen. And so what are these verses telling us? That I only exist because of him and all of my life is for him. And if this becomes my why, it affects everything. My purchases, my time, my energy, my focus, everything. It changes everything. Revelations 4.11 says, you are worthy, right? You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. I love that because it's like, man, God created everything and he's worthy. And why is he worthy? Because he created what he pleased. And what did he create? He created you. He created me. How cool is that? Proverbs sixteen four says, the Lord has made everything for his own purposes. Do you get the drift yet this morning? Why are you here? You're here for his glory. You're here for his honor. You're here for his power. You're here because he is just that good. He's that good. I'm here for his purposes. And man, this has got to trickle down in our life. And winter. when your purpose becomes clear and your why comes into focus, it becomes way easier to make decisions. It becomes easier to sort of streamline your life to get the calendar flowing towards that purpose. Uh, back in Illinois, uh, believe it or not, we lived in a town called Sandwich before we came here. Sandwich, super tasty. Actually, it wasn't. The, the, the like main sandwich in Sandwich wasn't even a sandwich. It was a beef roll. And uh, I had never even heard of a beef roll before I got there, but it's basically kind of like a cross between a gyro and an Italian beef, and so, strange. But down about 20 miles south of Sandwich, there was this pizza place called Bianchi's, and on the outside of the building, it literally says, world's best pizza. Now, how many of you know most of the time when someone says world's best pizza, kind of like on Elf when it says world's best coffee, and he's like, congratulations, you did it, right? Actually, it's just cheap coffee. Well, Bianchi's, I go into Bianchi's with kind of low expectations. It's got that old school pizza parlor feel. It's really dark and kind of dingy. But guess what? Blew me away. And to this day, it is still the best pizza my family prefers. Love it. Bianchi's, and so I go to Bianchi's and a couple things that I learned, they don't take cards, cash only, literal cash only, they've got the old school register with a, that makes all kinds of noise and the drawer pops open, and it's just a super cool nostalgic experience, and guess what, there's no menu. Why? Because it's simple. It's, you get pizza and a drink. There's no salad. There's no ranch dressing. All my Midwesterners are like, what? Where's the ranch dressing? And, it, and, and you're just like shocked. It's like, what is going on here? I, there's, no, there's nothing. You get pizza. You get your drink. And then they've got this literal, this special sauce. This, this one condiment. And it's amazing. Now, how many of you know... They're not having a supply chain issue. <laughs> Why? They've kept everything streamlined. They've got a, a place across town that is just carry-out only, and you walk in that carry-out, and it's a carry-out by anchies slash warehouse. And you look back, and they've got shelf after shelf after shelf of all their ingredients. I bet they could survive for like 20 years on on this warehouse full of ingredients. And they can buy all this stuff at once and they'd never have to worry about it, why? Because they've kept it streamlined and simple and focused. And guess what? It's the same every time. You go in and you get your pizza, it tastes the same, it's amazing, never once had a bad experience. Love that. Now, what made it that way? They understood their why. They didn't get distracted by the big menus of everybody else. They didn't say, well, we gotta have this, we gotta have this, we gotta have this. They're like, no, we're having this. And for you and your life, that is how focused you have to get with with this question. Why am I here? Because when you get the why behind the what, that it's all for God and all for his purposes, it gets really easy to simplify your life under his purposes. And it's easy to start crossing yourself off the calendar. That's not important. And that's not important. And here's what's really most important. And here's how we're gonna set up our life to streamline God's provision through our life. When you know your why, it gets really easy to make those choices. John Piper notes, he says that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Don't you love that? It's like when you see Him for who He really is, all this other stuff gets easier. So it really comes down to our choice. Will we choose to be a part? Or will we try to do our own thing? Rick Warren says, if we fail to worship God, we'll always find a substitute, even if it ends up being ourselves. Have you ever found yourself there? It's like because, because God's story wasn't enough. Kind of like when God gave Adam and Eve the garden, there's this tree, and he's like, you've got all this other stuff, but just don't eat of this tree. And it wasn't enough. Have you ever found yourself there? You see, like a compass, all of creation is drawn to God. Like a compass points to north, and I know that some of you are directionally challenged. My wife would not get this, this uh, illustration, and I could say that because she's doing kids today, and so she's not in here, so just don't tell her. But she wouldn't get it. But a compass is this little thing, and it points towards that end, and that's called north, right? And, and a compass doesn't need electricity. It doesn't need anything special. It just does it because of the magnetic pull of the earth. And your life is like that. You're drawn to him. But as you go through life, you might hit a mountain here and there and you might hit a desire. You might hit some lust of the flesh and some pride of life and and you get pulled in different directions. But because you take your eyes off of true north, you find yourself somewhere completely lost. And it's all because you forgot. You forgot that you were living in his story and that getting to him and walking with him and being with Him matters more than anything else in life. Amen? You see, even though our conscious knows there's something missing, and that there's this God-shaped hole inside of us, we get lost on the journey, we get distracted. But when we're diligent, we keep searching and keep surrendering and keep walking with Jesus, we discover that He just keeps getting better and better. You see, He's that good. See, you might be tempted to think when we talk about all these verses, it's all about him, it's for his purposes. It's like, you know, your flesh is going to tempt you and say, well, what about me? What about me, God? What about these this hard circumstance that you're that I'm walking through right now? What about me? But here's where God gets even better. Why is he worthy? Number two, fill in this second thing in your notes. His story is about his love for us. So it's his story and we're living in it. Whether we choose to or not, we're part of His story. and But then number two, His story is about His love for us. All the whole of Scripture is this love letter to humanity of how He created us. He sent His one and only Son to die in our place. He made a way so that you could have a relationship with God. From the creation to the fall to Jesus' death and His resurrection and everything in between and since it all screams louder than anything else on the planet that He loves you. Amen? He loves you. Romans 5, 6 through 11, it's seriously one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. I could read it every single day. And it says this, it says, when we were utterly helpless, have you ever felt that way? Utterly helpless. Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. I love how that just includes all of us. Me too. Every person that's ever walked the planet except Jesus. All us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Underline that. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. So now we can rejoice. That's worship, church. Remembering this central fact that once we were sinners and now we're saved, now we have a relationship with Jesus, now we can be called friends of God. Friends of God. That should blow our minds. This central fact, this motivating factor of our life, should be, should, we should bring that up and let it catch fire in our souls every single day. And the moment that that fire starts to go out and the moment that that passion starts to grow cold, we should be stoking it with more and more wood. Just keep throwing wood in that fire. It should never get old to us that Jesus did this for us, ever. His story is about his love for us. You see, people have all kinds of motivating factors in their lives. They've got their kids. Man, I love it to see a a mom or a dad that is just motivated, by love for their kids. They'll do anything. They'll work longer. They'll drive to, to more soccer games you can never even imagine. They'll just sacrifice. They'll, they'll pay those fees. They'll do it all, right? That's, that's, the heart there is really good. We're motivated for our kids. We want to see them succeed. We want to see them do well. Some people, are, they're motivated by their pain. They're like, because that happened to me, then my life is going to be different. And that central motivating factor of their life is their pain. Some people are motivated by their pride. They care so much about what everybody thinks that it shapes everything in their life. Some people it's their their reputation. Some people it's their ambitions. They're like, I'm gonna make it and no one's gonna stop me. No one's gonna get in my way of me doing my stuff. Some people are motivated by pleasure, right? But nothing compares to the love of God. Nothing. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been completely crushed in a good way by the love of God? Have you ever? Have you ever let this fact that when you were still a sinner, Christ died for you, just completely wreck you? Have you ever said, God, I can't believe you did that for me. Because you see, when you let yourself be affected by the love of God in that way, your life will never be the same. It becomes that motivating factor of your life. Now, that doesn't mean you don't get distracted again, and maybe some stuff starts to pull your attention, and you've got to keep yourself on track. But it's worth it. You know, this motivating factor is bigger than any other motivating factor in your life. And when anything but God's love is the sole motivating factor in your life, when anything but the fact that Jesus was crucified for you and he rose again on the third day, and because of that, we have life and friendship with God and we can have a relationship with Jesus, when anything else then that is the sole motivating factor of your life. You will at some point find yourself without motivation because all other motivation will fail you and it will end. Your kids will go to college. You'll retire and you'll find yourself without purpose. Those are just a couple. Those good looks that that kept you going for so long and gave you so much confidence, (laughs) it ain't gonna last. Right? Tell me about it. It's not going to last. But Jesus will never fail you. He will never fail you. And if you let that be the motivating factor of your life, you will always find motivation in him. You're going to have a reason to live. You're going to have a reason to keep on going. Psalm 36.5 says, Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. There's never any end to his love. And so when you're when you're like, why am I doing this? Why am I coming to church? Why am I you know, wanting to try to love Jesus? Why am I doing this thing that maybe other people don't think is important? It's because God's just that good. And because he loves you so much. He loves you. And the best part of it all is you'll never find the end of it. It's boundless, it's endless. In Revelation, we see this incredible picture. And they ask this question who's worthy to open the scrolls? And you can go and read the whole the whole you know passage of scripture, but you know, it all came down to the fact that Jesus is the only one. He's the only one worthy. He's the only one worthy to open the scrolls. He's the only one worthy of our lives. He's the only one worthy of all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. And so in Revelations 5, 9, they ask this question, why? And the answer is this, for you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. And then in verse 13, it goes on to say, blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. He's worthy because he laid his life down in your place, church. And man, as as your pastor, I just pray we get to this place where we have this attitude that, God, if you never do another thing for me in my entire life, it's already been enough. God, if you never provide another penny, God, even if you never give me more peace, which he will because he's promised to, fruit of the spirit can't get around it it's guaranteed but if you didn't God I pray that my attitude would be I'm still going to serve you I'm still going to praise you I'm still going to cry out worthy I'm still going to cry out blessing and honor and power and everything belongs to you why because when we ask ourselves the question why is he worthy you'll always find an answer you'll never find the end of it He will always be worthy. So when you're struggling to find the worth of it all, remember, we are in His story. Do whatever you have to do, journal about it this week, write it down, pray over it, but get that perspective change. And when you're tempted to see your circumstance over His greatness, shift the perspective. When you're tempted to go chasing after something else in life that you think is going to make you happy, shift your perspective. You can ask yourself, God, how do I get on your page? How do I keep myself in your story? And then two, remember, his story is about his love for you. And that can be the motivating factor of your life, that when I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. Thank you, Jesus. And so is it time for you to choose to be satisfied in God and his love for you? Or will you keep chasing after other things? Bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. Where are you at? Where are you at? Man, we've had a powerful time of worship today. We've declared the greatness of our God and how good he is we've established this why in our life why are you worthy Jesus of everything we have to offer because it's all about you and because your story is that you love us so much that you sent your one and only son to die in our place and so where are you at is it time for you to accept that love that Christ gives you today maybe you've you've been pushing it away you've been rejecting it you haven't You haven't yet brought your life under his Lordship. You haven't said, God, I'm gonna stop trying to make this my story and I'm gonna step into yours. Is that you today and you'd like to say, Jesus, here's my life, I give it to you. I wanna surrender my will to your will. If that's you today and it's, it's time to begin following Jesus, just raise your hand, I'd love to pray with you. This is your day. This is your day where you're saying, Jesus, I'm trusting you, I'm believing in you, I'm putting my faith in you. Anyone? Amen. Are you here today? Second question. Are you here today and you've been trying to follow that compass to your true north? You keep getting distracted. You keep getting distracted. Maybe you hit a mountain and you go around it. Instead of getting back on track, you you kind of have stayed off track. And it's time to get things back in perspective and, and to put God right where he belongs, that he's worthy of it all, all of my purpose, all of my dreams, all of my ambitions. And it's time to get things back in alignment. And so you'd say, Joe, I'm distracted. And I want to lay that at the feet of Jesus today and put God back where he belongs. If that's you today, just raise your hand as I close in prayer. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we lay our lives at your feet today. God, so much of the time we get distracted. So much of the time we say, God, we're, we're, we're missing it. We want to serve you. We want to make this all about you, but we get off track. And God, we just lay those desires at your feet. God, give us wisdom as we wrestle through this week, this week, as we talk through it in life groups, as we as we journal about it, as we pray this through in our personal devotion times this week. God help us. Help us to get back on track, to, to, to take control of these distractions and to put you back where you rightfully belong. As our everything. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.